friends, I'm Kaylin. And I'm Logan. And this is Bones, a true crime podcast. If you want to see pictures or information related to this week's case, you can follow us on Instagram at Bones, a true crime pod, or like us on our Facebook page, Bones, a true crime podcast. If you have any questions or case suggestions, you can email us at bones, a true crime podcast at gmail.com. This week's podcast is going to sound a little different. It's actually from Sherry, which is my mom's point of view, and it's a case that is really close to her heart. As some of you know, we both are full-time moms and have jobs of our own, as well as taking on our new podcasting adventure and trying to learn the ropes along the way. We are so grateful that my mom was able to research this case for us and give Kaylin a little bit of a break. We are really committed to staying as local as possible and tend to stick to unsolved cases because we really feel like they obviously need the most coverage. With that being said, they are the hardest cases to cover. There is very minimal coverage. A lot of sources tend to be Facebook or social media or, as you might be aware, just hearsay with the occasional news article that has very, very limited info. We always try to reach out to law enforcement, but most unsolved cases are also considered open cases, so they can't release any information to us. We also always reach out to family and friends, which, as you can imagine, is always a sensitive and touchy subject. We don't always hear back from family members, or they aren't always willing to talk. Kaylin can really attest to this. Um, I think like every single episode so far we've done, but maybe one or two, we've reached out to family, and unfortunately, we've not gotten much luck with that. Yeah, it seems like we might get just like maybe one or two people to respond, if that, Um, but even then, like they don't always want to talk, or which is understandable because it is something that's obviously a very sensitive topic. But it's just really hard to get information that is accurate. And a lot of people have different, there's two sides to every story. So some people might feel like we are a little too biased on this, like on this person's point of view. And the other might feel like they were not properly portrayed. Um, You really just can't win. You kind of just have to, we go with what we think and that's what we stick to. But we never want to hurt anyone's feelings or like, make anyone feel like we don't care about their loved one. It just seems like we get a lot of heat on social media when things aren't like up to par of a specific person's like opinion of what it should be, which really is hard because we put so much work into it and we really want everyone just to be like happy with what what we put out. Yes, I totally agree. It's it's I guess the nature of unsolved cases, I would say. But um, with all that being said, we would love everyone's thoughts on doing more solved cases or possibly even branching out and doing some non-local cases. We also feel like with more PR and attention as we kind of grow and get bigger, that maybe family and law enforcement would feel more comfortable or more willing to talk to us. Um, But anything you guys can do to help us out is greatly appreciated. And any suggestions you might have, please email us, 
comment on one of our Facebook or Instagram posts. Really, anything helps at this point, guys, I feel like, because I know like how passionate all three of us are about unsolved, 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 because they obviously need the most attention. And I'm sure that we'll, I don't know if we've even mentioned this yet, but we're really big on like the Arkansas conspiracy theories and all of the corruption and the Arkansas crimes and stuff. I think that Logan's mom is probably way ahead of us on it. Like she's way more in depth in it and can tell you way more about it than we can. But I really was not surprised when I saw that her first case that she did for us was an Arkansas case because that's right up her alley. Uh, yeah, it is. She's an Arkansas girly, Arkansas native. And I know, like I said, this is really like close to her heart. She actually had mentioned multiple times to us that the five-year anniversary of this case is actually, I, I think, this week. So that's why she wanted to, to kind of dive into this case. Yes. So hopefully, maybe this can get some good PR for the case and just help Brooke out and her family. Okay, so if you guys hear any background noise, like Logan mentioned, we are full-time moms. So this episode, I'm holding a baby and talking true crime with you. It's fine Bye. because um, earlier Kane's like, can I watch and listen to you do your podcast? And I was like, no. And he's like, why? I'll be quiet. And I'm like, no, you'll probably make me laugh. He goes, well, I was going to say, can I get a oh yeah? I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not Oh Fortnite. my gosh. <laughs> Um, you need to share the little, we'll do it at the end maybe to break up some of the sadness, but Brexley, um, and her little intro she had for the true crime podcast. Oh yes. I feel like that needs to be like our intro one of these times. If we yes. We need kid case, unfortunately, just because it's her little cute voice and she cannot say the word podcast. <laughs> Yes, we need to edit that in somehow. We'll figure that out. Okay, so Brooke Allensworth was a 37-year-old nurse and mother who was last reported seen on July 12th of 2018. Brooke was last seen near Oil Trough, Arkansas, but she was not reported missing until July 24th of 2018, so 12 days after she was last seen. Brooke's father was actually the one to file the missing persons report. Brooke's car had been logged under the Highway 122 bridge of the White River Boat ramp accessed by an Independence County deputy on July 14th, so just two days after she was last seen. It is also important to tell y'all that the deputy did note that the car had a flat tire, so the deputy just assumed that the owner would be back to get the car, but now we know that nobody was coming back for Brooke's car. So once the missing persons report went in, the deputy actually led investigators to this abandoned vehicle. The car was towed in and processed. At the time that the connection between the missing persons report and the car was made, there was a search that took place in the area where the car was found. Ground searches were done, dogs were brought in, and there was even water searches that utilized a dive team. Each of these resources came up empty-handed and no trace of Brooke was found. Brooke's car was actually locked and no keys were ever found inside, but what was found inside was her cell phone and her cigarettes. 
So I want to read you guys a quote that Sherry put in here. As we mentioned before, she actually researched this case for us. So she said, I'm not a smoker, but all the reports I have read have said that no smoker ever leaves their cigarettes behind. I asked Cody, one of my coworkers, who also is an avid true crime listener, since he is a smoker and he agrees he would never do that. I also see no one leaving their cell phone behind either. I think it's really weird. Obviously, her car was locked and her keys weren't found. But um, if you were going to pull your keys, I would think that you would grab your phone too because likely you'd be like walking or trying to get service or going like to find someone to help, you know? Right. You don't just leave everything but then take your keys. Yeah, that's really odd. So Brooke was reported to have had trouble with her tire on the 12th of July and a friend had actually helped her air it up with Fix-A-Flat. It is suspected that it did not hold and the tire went flat again near the bridge where she was pulled where she had pulled over and then later her car was found. DNA was recovered from the car. Some of it was Brooks, but there was another DNA found that has not been identified. Her cell phone was sent to the state crime lab, but there was no reports on what or if anything was found. This isn't uncommon in missing or unsolved cases, obviously. Yeah, I think that we see this a lot. There's a lot of information. I'm actually going to cover a case in the Brandon Wood case here in a couple of weeks. Um, But there are things that you can't really find or they can't tell you for sure one way or another on um, on what was found or how things were found. Or just certain details that they're wanting to keep close to the chest in case there is somebody that they can prosecute one day. So that is very true. Um, I just keep thinking about all the cases that, you know, you hear rumors, speculation, like what we try to, to shy away from. But that, oh, the police know who did it or... Uh, they have solid evidence, but it's circumstantial or, you know, it's something off phone records or phone towers or it's eyewitness accounts, but unfortunately there's no body and some prosecutors will not convict or even look or take your case if there isn't a body or, you know, salt, more solid evidence. And I feel like Possibly this case might be that way, but I I don't really know. I think that I think you're onto something there, and I also think it's odd about the DNA. Like there was DNA recovered from the car, so where all was it ran through? What databases was it ran through? Did anything come up? Did they use familial DNA um, records right. to try and match it to anybody? I know Did they take this- anyone's DNA that was close to her and, you know, like, I know she had kids. She had, like we said, an estranged husband. I believe she had a boyfriend. Did they collect their DNA and run it with the DNA in the car to just, you know, roll out? Well, I mean, it would make sense that it's your DNA because you rode with her yesterday. And this case was just in 2018. So, I mean, DNA is 
pretty advanced now, I feel like. I think in some older cases we hear of where, like, that could have definitely been solved if there was any kind of modern technology. But this one has it, so I do think it's possible. So, Brooke was reported to be estranged from her second husband. She had recently even dyed her hair blonde. Um, your mom put in here, I'm not sure this is an uncommon practice for women going through this kind of change, and that is spot on. I think anytime women go through like a life change, we always mess with our hair, sometimes for the better, sometimes the worst. I know every time I get pregnant or give birth, all of a sudden I need to like chop my hair off to my chin, which is never a good idea, and I always hate it. But I always do it every time there's like a big life change and I don't know why. I So uh, I can't attest to this because as you know, I don't dye or cut my hair. Um, so I hope I don't have like a midlife crisis when I'm 50 and like go bald or something. I also hope that doesn't happen to you. It's not um, Spears era. <laughs> Brooke's friends report her as being a wonderful, caring person and a great mom who would not leave her three children behind. I think we hear about this a lot of times when moms go missing especially, um, or dads even. You just, like all of their family members, when it's foul play, they're usually like they were a wonderful parent and they would never leave their kids behind. I know that it would literally, like... I can't imagine any circumstance that I would willingly leave my children behind unless maybe somebody was like, if you don't leave your kids, I'm going to kill them. Like, that's literally the only thing I can think of. But I think that's always really telling in cases like this because a parent's love for their child is just like unreal and they would move mountains for them. So if it's very out of character for them to do something like this, then I think it's safe to expect that the disappearance has something to do with foul play. The only odd thing being reported the day that Brooke went missing is that she had left shoes on. So she had a left flip-flop and a wedge, both for your left feet and obviously different shoes. Um, I'm not sure if this means anything. Maybe a shoe broke. Maybe she was just frazzled when she left the house. But it's been included in all of the coverage that Logan's mom was able to find. Logan, do you want to read this next quote from your mom? Sure. So, she said, I do want to include that Adventures with Purpose came to the area and dove in several bodies of water looking for Brooke based on the belief that she had been murdered put in a 55-gallon barrel, and dumped into a body of water in the area. I included this because I do not feel that AWP would come to a dive with no solid belief that this could be true. So, if you guys don't know about Adventures with Purpose, I know my mom is like an avid supporter of them. I believe that they have like a YouTube page that you can look at, but they go like all over the country and conduct um, ground searches. They do a ton of like water searches. They have all kinds of equipment. And if I'm not mistaken, they're a non-for-profit. Um, so that's something to look into if you're into true crime like us and you maybe want to support a good cause because they do a lot of great things. I think your mom has sent us, like, an unreal amount of YouTube videos from them. 
in our like true crime group chat of cases that we've like cases we've talked about and then awp will come up and they'll be searching for the people all of a sudden we do feel like brooke was the victim of some sort of foul play she could have had a flat and a bad person came along and just wrong place wrong time sherry says that she lives by the theory that somebody somewhere knows something and you may have been traveling down Highway 122 and saw Brooks Toyota on the side of the road, and someone may have been pulled over behind her. You may have been on the White River that day and saw something, or someone that you know may have acted suspicious after she went missing. They may have even became obsessed with the case. Or you may have heard something. You never know what could you never know what could help, and it's been five years. Let's help this family bring Brooke home. If you have any information, call the Independence County Sheriff's Office at 870-793-8838. I definitely agree with Sherry on that. I think that somebody could have seen something. Um, It brings me back to the Tammy Zawicki case that we did, like, at the very beginning. But so many people saw this pretty young girl on the side of the road and was just like, that left a mark on their memory. They remembered her and her hood up. They remembered people parked by her. Um, I feel like that somebody could have definitely seen Brooke. The difference is that I don't know what Highway 122 is like. I don't know if it's heavily traveled, but I feel like if a vehicle had a flat, the odds are that somebody would have seen something. I mean, at least just seen the vehicle there or know at what time it was first seen there and nobody was accompanying it, accompanying it. That's basically the information we have for you this week. There's not a lot on this case, like we've mentioned with most of our small town cases. But I also want to hear, Logan, what your opinion is. I know that you usually are kind of um, along the lines of like wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I'm also a firm believer in, you know, wrong place, wrong time, crime of opportunity, especially because she had a flat. I know that was suspected, like we talked about before in Tammy Zawicki as well, because she was having car trouble. Um, But I know, like, and this is also something my mom and I have talked about with this case, I know that there's rumors that it could also be trafficking, um, which any young, you know, pretty woman, I know, I know that Brooke was, you know, middle aged, but I know that she was good looking. I mean, she just dyed her hair blonde. So you're um, going to get attacked for that middle aged comment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she was (laughs) sorry. (laughs) We can cut middle aged out. (laughs) stop we're almost we're 25 we're almost 30 someone (laughs) will call us middle-aged one day okay whatevs it's fine as long as they don't call me an old bat or something but i feel like that if it was trafficking that's obviously the easy target um i know you'd mentioned you don't know what highway 122 is like I don't think I do either, but I do know um, how busy the White River is. It's very um, populated with fishers, hunters. Um, Her car was found, um, as we said before, at the 
dock, like by a boating dock or boating ramp. So obviously there had to be cars um, and people in and out of that area. Uh, so I don't, to me, to me, it's more of a like isolated area and highway. Um, I don't feel like it's traveled as much as with like big trucks. Whereas where Tammy's a wiki was pulled over and went missing, it could have been a semi. Um, this to me, I know leans kind of more towards crime of opportunity or crime of passion. Maybe someone passed by that she knew or had beef with and they, it turned into, you know, crime of opportunity. But with the limited amount of information we have, we really just want to get some publicity to this case. It's not been covered a whole lot. I honestly don't know if there's any other podcasts that have covered it. Um, So we really just... We want to focus on getting coverage to these local cases. We want to focus on getting coverage to Arkansas cases because, like we said, if you deep dive into any Arkansas cases, um, no matter where in Arkansas they're at, there seems to be a pattern. Um, There seems to be a lot of issues with law enforcement. Uh, We'll get into that in some future episodes a little more, but we just... We want to focus on coverage for these unsolved cases. And like we've said, like this whole episode, I feel like a broken record. We need your guys' help. We need you to share everything you can. We need you to send suggestions. We want to make something big of this. We don't want it to be, you know, oh, our family and friends listen to it. And we do it because it's a hobby and it's fun. Like we... We want this to like go somewhere. We want this to help someone. We want to say like our podcast helped bring closure to a family or our podcast brought this person home or, you know, I know everyone wants that with their podcast, but like I feel like it's really important to all three of us just because we are trying to stay local. You know, we're not starting with those well-known cases we're not doing like John Benet Ramsey which everyone knows about we're not doing like current cases we're not following like the Idaho University murders we're really really trying to stay local and it's really important to all three of us and we want to do this as long as possible so we really just need your guys's help and that's my TED talk for tonight <laughs> no I agree I So I don't know if um, we've mentioned before, we actually have like a little list going of every case suggestion. So if you send us a case case suggestion or you like uh, comment it on something, we, one of us takes your name that you suggested and we add it to this list and we try to, we put them in like alphabetical order so we can make sure we're not putting multiples on there. But it just gives us an idea. We can go through there when we're looking for cases to research. We can, like, Google the name real quick and see if we're able to find any information. And some of them, honestly, I've Googled, and there's, like, not even an article about them. Like, I cannot find hardly anything. So it's really important if you do want to, like, if you recommend a case and you do want to help us out, if you want to be involved or want to give your input, go ahead and like include that on your comment or your email or your message however it is you're reaching us just be like hey also I would be willing to give 
my side of the story um, because we do always send Facebook messages, but honestly, our messages get kind of lost in like spam folders and stuff. So it's not likely that a lot of people even get them because we have very few people that reach back out. Um, And I am actually tonight after we finish recording this episode, I am working on the Brandon Wood case. So when this is released, I think we'll have like a week or two before it comes out. And if any of you want to speak up or talk to me about that, I would love some more input from people in the community. But that, I think, is all I have for you guys. I really can't believe anybody listens to our episodes. I'm always, like, (laughs) shocked when people stop and compliment me just because they're like, oh, you guys are doing great or whatever. But I feel like I'm very critical of it. And it's just weird to hear so many positive things come from people who are listening to our little project and just who are sticking out through these beginning episodes when we are learning the ropes and trying to figure things out. I think that it says a lot about our community for all the support they've given us. Yes, I totally agree. And I can't wait until we are like number one on all of the podcasting outlets that will be the day. That's dreaming big. You know, Josh's cousin messaged him a few weeks ago and said, your wife's going to get you rich on this. So if you guys want to help us be stay-at-home moms who just podcast, <laughs> that would be amazing. I would love to write episodes all day, every day. It's literally so much fun. But unfortunately, I do have to make money. So... And I'm also homeschooling our five-year-old. And we have a two-year-old with a disability. So it's a really fun time in my household. We have yeah. no free time. Yeah, I, I felt that. Um, I have three baseball tournaments left. And then like two weeks break. And then we go right into football. So I might go crazy. But also, if you guys have any suggestions with time management, because I'm awful with time management, let me know. Yeah, Logan's the worst. Reach her out. (laughs) Help her her out to help me out. Please. Send all the help. Okay, well, I think we've done it. So, I guess we will be back next week and check us out on social media. We'll be there. Okay. (laughs) Knife drop. We're good. We out.